Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the recap of the Women's World Championships Individual Time Trial, 30.3 kilometres from Nokaheis to Bruges. It skips the sort of canal section that men did yesterday, which attacks on the extra 12 kilometres, but I believe the course to T1 is exactly the same. The favourites of the race were Marlon Reusser, who won the European Championships ahead of Ellen van Dijk, and Annemiek van Vleuten. Dark horses were more like Amber Neiman, Nieben and the two Germans, Klein and Brenau. But it really was between, uh, at least Benny and I thought, Royce van Dyke and Van Vleuten on this pancake flat course. And that's who the battle was between, um, apart from other good performances. The drops of coal rider, Joss Loudon, look all obviously a show partner for the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, getting a top 10. But I can't remember, do we both agree on this one, Benji? I think we both went Royce winning this. Yes, indeed. We had uh, Royce winning this one ahead of Van Dijk, and I think I had Van Dijk in second and Van Vleuten in third. I think you had Van Vleuten ahead of Van Dijk, but I could be wrong. Probably. Anyway, that's as you know, we you know how we do the TT results. Van Dijk actually wins this TT, a very fast course and a fast time from her fifty point four kilometer an hour average for a 36 minute and five second tt she's a bigger rider i think over six foot and just like we saw with ganna and van art yesterday a big advantage for those it seems that way at least the bigger riders who obviously still need to do the power still need to be relatively aerodynamic but yeah she wins the world championships her second actually since she won in 2013 at a of the swiss who's on fine form uh, and is going to, I believe, SD Works next year. We won the Europeans. So Van Dyke won the Europeans road race. But Royce lost by 10 seconds. She was first at T1, and Royce was the was Van Aert, and Van Dyke was Ghana, except they went off in different orders. Van Dyke was in the hot seat for a long time. Royce was quicker to T1, four seconds advantage. Then T2 was down to three seconds, so more like two and a half, I thought. And then at the finish, she actually lost by 10 seconds. So she lost 13 seconds from T2 to the finish, which was 10 kilometers. So, yeah, I'm not sure if she puts her power data up, but, um, and I can't really, you can't visually tell the difference between the different the two riders. But yeah, it just seems like a, a really well paced performance from Ellen van Dyke, Menji. Yes, certainly. Uh, it started off indeed with Royzer having that slight upper hand, like you mentioned. And, in all honesty, I thought the uh, time that Von Dijk initially said was looking like it might not even be beatable at Royce at the first time check because she started off and had a significant difference between her and the rider that was on the hot seat at that point in time. I think it was Diana Marcus, but I'm not 100% certain about that. And that was like she was taking 40 seconds at the first time check, like a minute 40 at the second one. And when that happens, you're like, okay, this is a time that might actually stick on the board. and. Sure, we're going to have our best riders at the end, but this is a big gap between well, 1 minute 40 and like Von Dijk there. So I was starting to get potentially worried that Reuser might not even come close at the first time check. But for the tension of the reins, I was really happy to see that that was not the case, that they were close together and we're up for another close fight. We've had very close fights, both at the men's race, U23 race of the men's, and now this women's race as well. And I've absolutely loved every second of it. And it, didn't stop there it was very similar at the second time check as well very close together but you had that feeling 
that you mentioned at the uh, at the preview. You mentioned that we don't know whether Royster can keep up that latter part of the time trial. The last eight kilometers is what you mentioned, and uh, well, props on that because that's exactly what happened. Von Dijk was able to hold on to that um, lead. Well, she was able to gain a lead in the latter part of the time trial, and as a consequence, it feels like that is indeed the case that. The latter part is what decided it on this one and the endurance for the end of this time trial. And I think that it became pretty clear already at the first time check that Von Vleuten wasn't going to be fighting for the uh, yeah. victory, though. But um, I personally was not expecting that myself. But uh, still a good performance, to be honest. Like a bronze medal as well. It's uh, I was a bit worried in the second time check, but by, uh, by the third one, it's pretty clear that she was getting bronze as well. So... Overall, a very fun time trial and a winner that deserves it. She probably had uh, one of the uh, better 10 days of her career, perhaps, like <laughs> yeah. European road race and now World Championships time trial. It sucks a bit for Royzer when it comes to her birthday today, but uh, I guess uh, cycling is not decided by uh, that kind of uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, what do you think about the rest? Well, I'll do the top 10 first of all. Van Vleuten third, 36-29. So as Benny said, tight gaps, 24 seconds between first and third. Uh, and then Amber Nieben, who we said to watch out for, I thought a top six candidate. She actually comes fourth, but it is a big gap. A minute from Van Vleuten to Amber Nieben in from third to fourth. And then she was four seconds, five seconds rather, ahead of Branau for Germany, which I would say a little bit disappointing. Uh, for the two Germans, I definitely thought they – I didn't think they'd podium, but I thought they could be within 30 seconds of Van Vleuten on this course. Um, but to be honest, their setups didn't look good, nor did Amber Neven's setup look good, frankly, and I'm not – that's just the way it is. You know, Not everyone can has the time or money or whatever to go in the, in the wind tunnel seven times a year and fix it all up. But, yeah, Neven set up and – the Germans didn't look great. Labou actually quite a good result from her, the French rider, in sixth. Uh, she's she's small. She's like 55 kilos, 50, 53 kilos and around 65 centimetres, so a nice result from her. And Joss Loudon, eighth at 38.04, two minutes behind Van Dijk. Then Rihanna Marcus, somehow Netherlands got three riders doing this race. Rihanna Marcus came ninth. Then Amaliusik, the Belarusian, in tenth. Uh, other notable things were, I think, my dark horse for top 10, Olga Zabalinskaya, didn't start, which is very strange, actually. She so, heard you talk about it on the time trial, and she was like, I can't do what he's just telling me to do, so I might as well not start. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very odd. So maybe we'll hear more about that at a later date. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's... The women's TT, Marlon Royce is still in magic form. I think with a bit of a few hills, Royce, as we saw, uh, Europeans is pretty flat. But yeah, as Ben, you said, you know, it's 8Ks longer here. She's a little bit lighter than Ellen van Dijk. And yeah, it was very similar played out to the men's race and also the men's U23 where you had the really big engines, uh, Johan Trois Pedersen winning the men's under 23. And then say, if I'm a, making a, an equivalence between van Vleuten and Lucas Plapp, they just it's it's a struggle to really stay with the big engines on this course. But what do you think, Benji? Now that we've wrapped up the the TT action about this course, uh, do you like it? I actually I think with the Olympics course being long and extremely hilly, I think it's actually quite nice that they've had you know given an opportunity for riders like Ellen Van Dijk and Ghana to win on a course at World Championships. That's the, that's the opposite of that. 
I agree, but I'm that annoying guy that every year keeps complaining that the World Championships time trial should be relatively representative of what happens during the season, and we don't have these long time trials throughout the season in the majority of races, and that annoys me a bit, because then you're like the world champion of races that don't happen in the season, and I don't know, it feels a bit odd. But on the other hand, I do think that we'd have likely the same riders battling it out if it was 10k shorter, so I guess that's not really a... I don't agree. We wouldn't. Okay. Bissiger is... He's going to win a lot of World Tour TTs, no, hopefully, the way he's looking, and yep. he it's not his profile for World Champs TTs, so... Hmm. Maybe Imola, I think he actually was almost too conservative yesterday, but um, the way his splits went, same with Avonapol. But, yeah, I think I do like the women's being 30Ks because that is similar-ish to some of the other courts. It's only a little bit longer than the majority of their women's world tour TTs. But Royce next year, Benji, she's just a TT beast. Is she someone, if your SD works, that you try and build a team around GC-wise for like Healthy Aging Tour, Simac Ladies Tour? She came second at the Welter without a time trial there, although she got in a break. It's a bit of a weird, bit of a weird race. Or do you think they're going to try and convert her into classics? Because she didn't have any success really at the class. Oh, I mean, thirteenth at Can Vavelham in the group, ninth at Tour of Flanders, but she wasn't a standout there. Do you think SD Works can be the difference? Because I do. Because that, that team makes a big difference. I think they can be the difference, but I don't think that they, she necessarily needs to be the leader in those races because. I believe that she could take that role that Van der Breggen took in a few races where she was the person that ended up keeping up the tempo to make sure Volring was able to sprint at the end of the race, stuff like that. And True. she has the ability to get over climbs relatively decently. And when it comes to Cobble Hills as well, that Tour of Flanders 9, that means that you can play an important role in the final of a race. And I think that's potentially a very important thing now that von der Regen is lost at SD Works as a rider because they're going to have a rider to... They're going to need a rider to fill in that gap of top of racing. Obviously, she might not be able to do what von der Regen did last year and win like literally every race she rides, but she uh, most likely will be an important factor in getting Volring the wins and getting her team to more victories and getting ourselves a few victories because I do believe that this form of Royster can win races and will likely do so again next season. And I don't know, it feels like a very good transfer in uh, in hindsight, certainly. I think that her market value has uh, upped quite a bit after signing her contract with yep. SD Works. <laughs> Especially as she's going to be on the podium GC of the Tour de France, the first one next year. Yeah. I'm calling that now. Um, they'll have a TT in there, one would think. So... I think she'll be a very good shout to be on the podium of the tour. I think Lonica Unikin obviously is going to clean up Hen Favelham so she can lead out her. She's a beast at SD Works. But yeah, SD Works looking pretty good with, with Marlon Royce, although she's 30, but it's kind of like with AVV, you know, was she doing 25,000 kilometers a year uh, when she was 20 years old? Probably not. And, you know, she's a late starter to the to cycling. So her age really belies her improvement curve which has been very very steep this year yes sir um what we notice is that we don't have like u23 category in this for the women's and is that something that you feel is necessary or do you feel like that is balanced out by the fact that in women's cycling we have i don't know it feels like we have more u23 talent already in world tour and teams like 
uh, SD works for already popping up early on. Like Annie Fisher Black was early on in that. Juliette Labou is very early on. She's 22 and doing this. Like that's insane. And she's likely going to grow a lot. You think that that balances it out or you think that they need some kind of extra step up to uh, potential world tour scouting uh, pool stuff? World tour scouting, women's world tour scouting is let's be honest, not very sophisticated. And one good result at a major event where some person sees you on TV one day and like, oh, you're pretty good, can get start Seriously, it starts conversations yeah. and people can get signed just off that. So I is the re, I think the rationale is that there's not enough depth for a women's U23, but I think it'd be good to give opportunities to, right as you mentioned, you know, we're seeing in the men's Florian Vermeer doing the U23 TT. It's not just about discovering talent either. It's maybe giving an opportunity as well for a U23 rider currently in Women's World Tour to be be the woman for the day and have the team prep for her and when she's not maybe a leader in races currently for her team and, and just get practice in really focusing on a TT and an important one. So I'd like to see it. I don't really see why it's a strong rationale for it not being possible. Okay, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but let us know what you think down below about uh, yeah about that. And I think particularly with the advent of the women's first Paris-Roubaix coming up and then women's Tour de France next year, we're hopefully going to see more investment in women's cycling because the Tour de France provides a lot of the – that's what sponsors pay for on the men's. You'd hope if it's successful next year, that will boost salaries and everything and help women cycling there next year as well. But any other news from you, Benji? What else we got? Why was this on the Monday, by the way? Just why was this not on the Saturday? Like they've made it makes no sense. Uh, I don't know either. I've been roasting it for three days that they put this on the Monday. I don't get why. I think it's because they want to have the elite men's race kick it off, perhaps, and that'd be the start of the event, and then have the elite men's race finish it off as well most likely i'm guessing at the end which i don't know it just feels a bit weird personally yeah it's if you're putting this on a monday you're just destining it to have yeah. less less interest that's just how, how it works uh but yeah otherwise news a bit of a you know a lantern andorra um updates yeah i went to went to the hairdresser today and i said could you give me the the la liga left wing back that doesn't no the left winger that doesn't track back and she said no nah, no nah, that's not you and she she said i'll give you the the uh, eagle street corporate haircut that you actually are um and that's what i got so i'm pretty happy with that that was my morning otherwise we've got the what else we got coming up benji <laughs> We have, uh, well, the men's and women's road race coming up at the start the next week. Um, I think that's Saturday and Sunday, but I have no clue because I haven't checked it. I think Sunday is pretty obvious that it's the road race, though, yeah. uh, for men's at least. And um, next to that, we have Lombardy and Roubaix. Do we do the women's tour? Yep. Okay, so okay. we've got previews. We'll be dropping for the road races on Wednesday and Thursday. We might have a little look at the men's U23 um as well obviously plap and sheffield the sheffield ineos announcement was announced officially today but we already knew he was going there uh so those two are like you know 70 to 72 kilo tt boys going to ineos classic signings for them uh and jpp's at uno x who won the men's u23 continuing the danish streak of that uh, just quickly any any standouts from the u23 benji i think plap actually was pretty good 
Yeah, I agree. When it comes to like Plap, he certainly uh, was very strong and he's doing that at the age of 20 compared to Prisa Peterson, who is at uh, 22 in that. So that's a difference of two years. Oh, math <laughs> with Benji. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Florian Vermeer, like, yes, he is indeed in the top three there. And I don't know, it just feels weird to have him raise that race. I don't, I don't know why. World Tour team riders there. This is a whole discussion that we could do an entire podcast Yanni about. Yanni not happy, man. He's not yeah. happy. <laughs> yeah, he's not happy, but I think that every single offer that people give has an opposite to it. So, for example, they're saying, you do you pull out World Tour riders from these events? And then I'm thinking, well, then Alpes and Phoenix still is allowed to send riders to it. So that's a bad uh, division in performances. And then they say, well, Pro Comte as well, you can't cut that out. And then we look at that and, well, if you if you cut out World Tour and Pro Comte, then you're going to have the same difference because teams like Mazofshe and W52 are able to beat Pro Comte teams at a lot of the races they ride in. So are those teams then not better than the Pro Comte teams? And do they not have riders like, I don't know, uh, a young Rafael Rice that pops up at a certain point? Is he then not suddenly uh, allowed to race while there are other riders in Pro Comte that don't have that ability to race? And not every Pro Comte rider has made it, in my eyes, personally. And then you look even further when you're talking about, well, if you cut out those two, World Tour and Pro Comte, then you've got a championship that basically defines the best U23 rider that is not riding in World Tour and Pro Comte. Is that still U23 World Championships? And that's where I've got a very unpopular opinion, where a championships should have the best rider in that criteria win. So Evan is the U23 World Champ. Yeah, for example, <laughs> he would have won by 35 seconds if he was in that race instead of the elite race. Hey, a minute. And, what, sorry? <laughs> a minute. He would have won by a lot. Well, I, I actually checked, and it's only like 35 seconds based on Prisa Peterson, oh, which really? is surprisingly close in my eyes. But is that not like, accounting for him doing a longer TT, though? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but I, like, I get what you're saying. I, it, it's, I'm on, I have a foot in both camps. I think it's Florian Vermeer not exactly dominating World Tour, is he? Like, it's okay to have him... Get, you know get an opportunity and it's set up yeah, frankly is kind of shit as well does that mean if you're too good you're not allowed to race it well yeah because like when when Sergio Aguita did the world champs U23 road race in Yorkshire after he'd won a welter stage the month before I was like this is a bit fucked like <laughs> it's like what's going on here you're on like a three-year world tour deal you just want yeah. a grand tour stage and then you've got like Carlos Rodriguez who's like 20 and then he's riding the road race in the ITT with Elite and then you've got people who are Two and a half years old that are riding the U23 championships, and that annoys the crap out of me. But <laughs> there's like no solution perfectly because my take on it is that I said it like the best rider should win in the category, but that's very uh straight true because that would mean that every national championships is wrong because they always have a shit start list. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think maybe we're arguing for what we just said means there shouldn't be in a U23 category. The thing, you know, you look at Johan Price Pedersen, he spent a lot of time in U23, maybe a, a year longer almost. I mean, no, he's, at, he's been racing at UNOX, right? But he, he's been focusing on winning the U23 World Championships at 22 years old. And now I'm looking at him and he's not really developed any classics experience. I'm like, what's next for you as a rider? Uh, whereas Plap 20 going straight to World Tour next year, that the pathway is very different. Same with Björk. We're seeing Björk had to then be like, oh, I'm actually not that good at TT. 
uh, in world tour level when he'd won, you know, what he'd won three world championships, two world championships, and he's now had to focus on being a, a domestic at world tour level to actually get paid and stay in world tour. Uh, so yeah, it's also can be, I think, a little bit of a trap chasing U23 world championships, especially in Lavanier. You know, Foss wins. Is Foss winning Lavanier as? It's not as impressive as Bernal Pagacci, is it? Or the Johansson guy winning it against uh, Rodriguez. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Off-season topic we can flesh out in full, I reckon. Uh, we'll write that down. But this is our recap of the World Championships. <laughs> We've never written anything out. <laughs> I literally can't write. I'm, I'm illiterate. Anyway, this is our recap of World Championships ITT. We'll see you at the preview of the road races in the mid during the week. And thanks to LeCol for supporting the podcast. Ciao.